0: From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: So if the provider already had a newsletter, then they should talk about what they're doing to keep patients safe in that. Or if they had an outreach program via text or whatever the communication channel was, anything they could say about um, staying safe in their office and all the protocols that they've put in place to make people feel comfortable is really key. I also think that consumers are feeling much more comfortable going into the provider's office now, but that communication needs to continue.
0: That's Sheila Dreyer-Van Busker talking about best practices for patient communication in a medical practice. We'll hear more from Sheila in just a moment, but first... A word from our sponsors. Care Credit, a leading health care credit card, helps improve the patient financial experience and health system financial performance by making it easier for patients to pay their copay, coinsurance, deductible, or care not covered by insurance over time, often with promotional financing. Visit carecredit.com slash MGMA to learn more or to get started today. Is your answering service helping your practice do more with less? Does your answering service function as a seamless extension of your practice? Improve the patient experience, increase staff productivity, and enhance your practice's communication with CCSP. With packages starting at only $35 and the ability to scale as little or as much as needed, CCSP is ready to learn how you measure success and build a custom solution to meet it. Learn more at callcentersalespro.com slash MGMA. Our guests today are Sheila Dreyer-Van Buskirk, Vice President, Research and Insights at Synchrony, and Taylor Trowbridge, Account Director at Chadwick Martin Bailey. Sheila and Taylor are here today to talk about patient sentiment since the pandemic began and explore how the industry's future will be shaped by consumer perspective. Sheila, Taylor, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having us. We're really excited to share some of the insights from this research we just completed.
2: Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having us, Daniel. All
0: right. Well, thanks for that. Now, tell me what um, your role is in healthcare, where your focus currently is, and and while we're emerging from this pandemic era. um, Sheila, let's just start with you and get some thoughts from you on that.
1: Sure. So I am the vice president of research and insights for Care Credit. So we are a healthcare financing company. So we have a lot of insight into our providers and what's going on, especially in this pandemic era. We've done a lot of research with our providers to see how they're doing and also how our consumers are doing. So excited to share that with you.
0: Oh, that's great. Taylor, what about yourself? What have you had going on and what's your role in healthcare?
2: Sure. Uh, I work with Chadwick Martin Bailey, a research firm based out of Boston. We do a lot of healthcare and healthcare financing research, certainly partnering with uh, Sheila and Care Credit to again, not only understand providers, but also the patients and their needs, as well as their expectations and how things have changed coming out of this pandemic era. Okay. Now,
0: recently the two of you spoke to the MGMA audience in a webinar. It was gaining insight into post-pandemic patient sentiment Let's just take a step back. Let's define patient sentiment. What do you mean by that? Taylor, do you want to take that first?
2: Sure. Um, I think the easiest way to explain patient sentiment is really just how are patients feeling and not just in a physical sen- sense, but also emotional, mental. Um, certainly we've, uh, we've seen a lot of changes in uh, not only actions, but also needs and behaviors coming out of uh, COVID. So really understanding how, uh, how patients are feeling, and as well as providers, uh, coming out of this, uh, this different time.
0: Okay, thanks for that. Sheila, what do you have to add to that on patient sentiment?
1: Well, I really think it's important that we listen to our consumers. Um, they are all consumers of healthcare, so it's important for us as CareCredit and also in the world just to find out how people are feeling. You know, Are they feeling safe going back to the provider's offices and Are they feeling safe just in general about their health and how things are going in the world? So when we say patient sentiment, it's something that we care passionately about and we are always pulsing them to find out how they're feeling about things and and how they're going to start returning to normal. Or in some cases, if they're not returning to normal, what's gonna change? Like telemedicine is a big thing for us now. So all those components that go into how people are feeling Comes
0: out in that patient sentiment study. Yeah. Sheila, I wanted to add to that. I just went to the doctor for the first time, an in-office visit for the first time since the pandemic hit. And I, my patient sentiment is much stronger than it has been in the past. I noticed some very specific things on efficiencies. Mm-hmm. I'll give you all a little in, inside baseball here. They had me in the door and out the exit in 21 minutes. And I had a full uh, checkup. And I thought that was amazing. Um, Sheila, I I just wanted to get your thoughts anything. You know, That's what I think music to your ears. You want to hear a patient be happy with the experience they had at the doctor's office. But I could tell efficiencies that they were getting people in, checking them. They weren't having me just sitting around, sitting around, waiting, looking at those five-year-old people magazines, all that kind of thing. They were very efficient. Any thoughts on that? Anything you want to provide on that?
1: It's one of the cool things that's coming out of this is that people, our providers have all told us that they need to work smarter because they're trying to keep their staff safe too. So in this era where you don't know if people are sick or not sick, it's changed the way that people interact with their doctors. So Some people really like that telemedicine and that they can talk to their doctor one-on-one, even if it's not in person. Other people, when they go to the office, they wanna be in and out fast. They don't wanna sit in the waiting room and touch a whole bunch of things. And I think it's gonna benefit the providers and the patients because the whole experience is a a much more streamlined and effective way of doing things.
0: Mm -hmm. One one other thing I wanted to add to that, Taylor, you know, as I, I was driving to my office after spending, like I said, 21 minutes in the doctor's office, a new record for me, and I felt very satisfied with the kind of care that I got, um, I'm actually, for the first time, thinking I'm going to go onto one of the sites and write a referral. I mean, you know, write a, a really nice review and refer the doctor's office to other people. Is that something, when we're talking about patient sentiment, that we want to get to
2: sure absolutely um you know with when it comes to review sites a lot of people will only write negative reviews or they will only write positive (laughs) exactly there's not a lot to be said when uh the experience is neutral and certainly you know the interesting uh part of what you're uh what you were saying there is how is this going to continue or is this going to continue right you know we're always you know talking about what's happening in two weeks or two months or you know uh in, in a given amount of time and how is that changing you know, not only expectations, but, you know, eventually satisfaction. So it's, you know, important when we do research like this, that we're, you know, not only doing a point in time uh, pulse of, of what's going on, but really understanding how these uh, needs, how these expectations and ultimately satisfaction um, are continuing to evolve.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Sheila, I want to turn back to you for a minute, because one of the things that can get to an improved patient sentiment is... Having the staff on board, having them having uh, embraced, you know, the strategic mission of the practice, how do you get there? What do you do to get that staff trained to get them on board and, you know, part of the team where they're working toward that common goal?
1: So each practice has its own training processes. Um, When we make available a study like the patient sentiment study we just did, it can be used in a bunch of different ways, so many ways to inform the team. Ideally, it would inspire some brainstorming with the practices team to review their patient experience and ensure that it's addressing those post-pandemic needs, Um, and that could include anything from making people feel safe in the office to streamlining like we were just talking about. All those things go into it, so it's really um, hopefully a really good tool for each practice to use when they're training their staff on how to deal with um, patients in this post-pandemic world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Taylor, when I think about patient volume, that's a that's a that's a black and white number. You know, that is a mm-hmm. number we can put down. We can measure that. When we talk about revenue, you know, the reimbursements that we get, that's also something we can measure. When I think about patient sentiment, it seems more squishy. If you know what I mean, it's more. Sure. Okay, how do we measure this? So what are some of those KPIs? What are some of those metrics that uh, practice leaders can be studying to make sure that their processes,
2: their best practices are working? Sure, I I think there's absolutely some gray area uh, when it comes to patient sentiment, but definitely also some black and white. So, um, you know, we use different measures, indirect and direct measures um, so indirect, we'll, we'll look at their actions, so not necessarily what they're saying to us, but what are they doing? Are they returning to the office? Are they returning to not only medically necessary, but also elective care? Um, are they, you know, scheduling further out than they uh, were over the last 18 months? Um, and then we'll certainly look at their behaviors, too. Um, so, you know, what are they doing? Are they, you know, um, writing reviews now? Are they, you know, mentioning to their friends and family? Um, What has really changed in their um, activities and uh, behaviors? But then we'll also, you know, ask them directly. So understanding from patients, you know, what are their emotions? Are there still fears? Are there still points of frustration? Are there still things that we can address um, from either a provider or a um, more holistic care credit aspect? And then certainly what are the needs? So what do these uh, patients need? And I think um, Sheila's already said it, and we'll say it at least one more time, it's safety. So mm-hmm. coming out of this post-pandemic world and into uh, all of this, you know, still unknown, it's, you know, what do patients need? Is it safety? Is it efficiency? Is it streamlining? Um, certainly understanding all of those aspects. What Taylor, once
0: you've got the, um, the results, you know, you're looking at the KPIs, you're looking at some of those behaviors you were talking about, How do you then implement it? I mean, what do you then do with that information to actually make sure that it's uh, new changes are going to be made?
2: Sure, it's exactly what Sheila was referring to in that, you know, we hope that this research is used by providers to then brainstorm, to then put together best practices, to see what fits for their practice. Um, Again, we all know that it's not one size fits all when it comes to to these providers. So you know, what can they take from this research to make it actionable, to make it impactful for, for their practice?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sheila, I want to turn back to you then. Um, do you have an example? Do you have a case study of a medical practice that has actually put some of these processes into place and, and even found success with them?
1: So, the study is so new that we're not aware of any case studies that um, have actually used this information to refine their patient experience, but that's something that we're going to track in the future. So ask me that question in a couple of months and I'll let you know.
0: Oh, that sounds great. So let me turn to you then about this research that you were talking about. Give us a little bit more insight. What is the research about? And then what did you find in it?
1: So the research is ongoing and from the very beginning of the pandemic, we started to feel the need to um, really pulse consumers as well as providers to find out what was going on in their practices, how people were feeling about interacting with their doctors and accessing healthcare in general. So a lot of the things that came out of this research were that people are more interested now than ever before with their health and wellness. So they're trying really hard to stay healthy. I think that came to the forefront everywhere. And also how important safety is to them. So they wanna feel like they're in a safe environment wherever they are. If they're in a doctor's office, there are things that providers can do to make them feel safe and comfortable in their offices. And those are the things we wanted to track over time, how they're interacting with their provider. Is it via telehealth? We've talked a little bit about that. That's something that we think is here to stay. People who enjoyed that are going to continue to enjoy that. I've heard some people still like to go into the office, but other people have said, "Nope, I really like this telehealth, so I'm gonna use it wherever I can. So that's a shift in how providers are going to be interacting with their patients. So all those things were really important for us to keep measuring. So that's why we had the pulse every so often. We did it um, with providers. Uh, I think we did it four times and we'll continue to do it into the future. And with consumers, we pulse them every month and ask them about how they're feeling about not just healthcare, but all sorts of things. But the healthcare component of that is so important. And obviously to your um, audience, it's really important. So Mm -hmm. we're going to continue to do that over time.
0: What's the most interesting thing or surprising thing you've seen so far in the research?
1: Um, I think one of the most surprising things to me is the people were so afraid to interact with their providers on any level for Hmm. a little while at the beginning of this, even things that routine, they didn't want to go in for anything. And our our dental providers had a really huge impact in this. A lot of people didn't want to go to the dentist and that's really recovering more slowly than some of our other healthcare areas. But I think that fear and how quickly it took place was surprising to me, but also it's now beginning to rebound a lot. So we're seeing that people have changed their minds because the providers have made them feel comfortable. So they're more likely to go back into the office now. They're seeing that everything that's going on in the world is um, designed to help keep them safer. And as those vaccines start to roll out, they're feeling more and more confident interacting than they were before.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for that. It's always interesting to kind of find something new from research and something that is surprising to you. So good to know about that. Um, yep. We were talking earlier that the two of you uh, had a present a webinar presentation recently uh, for the MGMA audience, own patient sentiment. Um, our listeners here can access that own demand at mgma.com slash events. They can earn... Uh, CEU credits for that as well. Um, If they were to do that, um, Taylor, give us an idea. What's something they could expect to learn from that presentation that we haven't already talked about?
2: Sure, I I think one thing that's been alluded to that um, hasn't been specifically spoken of is that these providers have been, almost all providers I should say, have been quick to adapt to the needs, expectations, and behaviors that have changed among patients. Um, We've seen as we've practiced research over the last year and a half or so that uh, these patients are no longer afraid to go in the office. They're, you know, content to go. They're feeling safe. They're feeling secure. um, And more importantly, they're being communicated to. And, you know, if you go back and look at that uh, presentation that we gave, you'll see that communication is key. Um, communication about the ease of going to the office, the safety involved in the office, what precautions are being taken, um, how they can, you know, do X, Y, and Z, all are very important to uh, the patient sentiment overall, and certainly really help get people back uh, to receiving care.
0: Taylor, what what types of communication seem to be working best? Where are patients and consumers connecting and feeling you know, like open to communication from
2: providers. Sure, um, because providers are such a trusted resource. There's no such thing as overly communicating with patients. Um, it, it's it's a resource that patients feel like they can receive anything from, whether it's hours of operation, uh, safety precautions to take, what is being done at the uh, provider's office to ensure safety, um, anything really that involves what the patient can't expect and really puts their mind at ease and allows them to become, as you said, satisfied at the end of their visit.
0: Okay. Sheila, anything you want to add about the presentation? Any takeaway that someone might get from that?
1: I'm really happy that um, Taylor brought up the communication portion of that because that is really key and it um, also could be any channel. So if the provider already had a newsletter, then they should talk about what they're doing to keep patients safe in that. Or if they had an outreach program via text or whatever the communication channel was, anything they could say about um, staying safe in their office and all the protocols that they've put in place to make people feel comfortable is really key. I also think that consumers are feeling much more comfortable going into the provider's office now, but that communication needs to continue. So even as we come out of this pandemic, and hopefully we really are coming out of it and there aren't gonna be any more hiccups here, but we've learned a lot. And I hope that the the providers see the value in communication and how much it helps people engage with their office at a level that they might not have before.
0: Sheila, both you and Taylor have talked a lot about um, patients feeling safe, and that's one of the things that's really stuck out to you from the research that you've been conducting. Let's just talk about that for a minute. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, I I know what the words are, but it, like, what does it mean when we really think about it? And what's the kind of responses you're getting from patients when they say, you know, I I I'm not feeling safe here, or okay, I'm, I'm okay with this, and I'm, I'm going to come into the office or communicate with you this way. So talk about that.
1: Okay, it varies depending on your patient, right? So well, I talked in the presentation a lot about knowing your audience and knowing what your patient base looks like, because their needs are a little bit different. So if you're in an older generation and someone that was really at risk, they're going to want to know things like, Are people in your office still wearing masks? Are they expected to wear masks? Uh, What protocols are being taken to keep them safe? Is everything sanitized as soon as they, in between patients? And a lot of these things providers were already doing, they just weren't communicating it. And they thought, you know, well, everyone knows that we do that. Of course we do it. We're a doctor's office. But the... Communication was so key to especially those older patients as they start to ease back into this going to the provider's office. What's expected? They need their expectations really carefully defined. Whereas younger patients maybe aren't feeling as um, at risk as some of the older patients, so their expectations may be totally different. They still want to be communicated to what's expected of them in the office. I know. My kids are all in that kind of Gen Z-ist age, and they're still asking things like, do I have to wear my mask everywhere? And just things like that about expectations. As long as the expectations are clear up front, people will feel safe. And that may vary depending on where you are in the care spectrum.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I will mention one thing. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that I had just gone to the doctor today, and there was really good communication. There were several... Um, notes posted on the, you know, plexiglass shields, those kind of things. But I will say one thing, there was a lot of different information on there. So it was almost a little bit of information overload. Like I was reading this and I was going over and reading that sign and I was reading this other sign. What can a practice do to just simplify? I mean, what would you advise um, just to make sure that the patient again is really feeling safe there, but at the same time being able to consume all of the information that's available to them.
1: I would say, don't assume that your patients know everything. I think it's a good idea to have things posted in their office, maybe not to the extent that they have been to now, but even before the patient gets to their office, have that communication channel. So if you're doing an appointment reminder, just say, remember to bring your mask or whatever it is that your office is comfortable with, just set those expectations clearly.
0: Okay. Um, Taylor, did you want to add anything on patient safety?
2: I just want to add that even before the pandemic, uh, healthcare was under a lot of scrutiny for safety and for taking precautions. So it's really not necessarily enacting new steps or new procedures or new processes. It's about really reassuring the, uh, the patients that these steps are being taken care of. So if there's you know, a way to clearly communicate that, effectively communicate that, Um, that would be the the ideal way to to get that message out there
0: okay well a final thought then let's just stick with you taylor um y'all have both touched on so many aspects here about patient safety patient sentiment so what's one main takeaway you'd like our listeners to know about patient sentiment that our listeners can go right back to their practices and begin implementing those today
2: Sure. I think the uh, the biggest thing that I can think of is to communicate. Um, as with any you know good relationship, communication is key, and the provider-patient relationship is no different. So, um, as Sheila alluded to, um, if it's pre uh, pre visit, if it's post visit, is if it's you know via text message, via newsletter, via phone call, um, whatever channel works for for your patients and uh, the provider's office too much communication doesn't exist. So making sure that we're getting the the message of safety and security and reassuring the patients out there.
0: Okay, Sheila, final thought from you.
1: Just to embrace change. We're in a new environment now and things are changing. And I think the providers that are gonna be most successful are those that embrace that change and react to how their, their patients are really wanting to interact with them. So like, as you were saying earlier about how efficient your office is running now, mm-hmm. those are things that are changed for the better. So if we can just keep that momentum going and really embrace all the changes that are coming post pandemic.
0: All right. Well, Sheila, Taylor, thanks so much for sharing these thoughts with us today. Thank you so much, Daniel.
1: Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guests, Sheila dreyer Van Buskirk, and Taylor Trowbridge. You can hear their webinar on this topic by going to mgma.com events and search for patient sentiment. And we'd like to thank care Credit for their sponsorship. CareCredit, a leading healthcare care credit card, helps improve the patient financial experience and health system financial performance by making it easier for patients to pay their copay, coinsurance, and deductible, or care not covered by insurance, over time, visit carecredit.com/mgma to learn more or get started today. And we'd also like to thank CCSP. CCSP is ready to learn how you measure success and build a custom solution to meet it. Learn more at callcentersalespro.com slash MGMA. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at MGMA.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe, and thanks for
2: listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at MGMA.com membership. Thanks.